If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going to stay in Luke 8, but before we stay in Luke 8, I'm going to reference John 8. Um, so, Father, Lord, we, uh, we don't take anything for granted, Lord. We, Lord, I, I bring you this, uh, I, I hold before me, Lord, this like a, a schoolboy lunch. And, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would bless it. Ask, Lord, that you would uh, cause us, Lord, cause it to take root or cause it to take um, its place in our hearts, Lord, this message in the name of Jesus. Uh, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> in John chapter 8, just to be brief, Jesus, uh, we had talked about this earlier um, this year or last year, excuse me, um, where Jesus is talking, there, he's having an argument with uh, uh, some Pharisees and different ones. And, and basically he said, you know, you're trying to kill me. They said, we're not trying to kill you. And then he says this thing. He says, my word has no place in you. And <clears throat> I, uh, I had, had read this last year and it's one of these verses that just jumped off the page. And I've learned to pay attention to these, to these words that jump off the page that even though, uh, I might not understand its application to me at the time, my spirit leapt. It's like the Lord's trying to tell me something. And, uh, and so the more I looked at this, like, Lord, are you talking to me? And I felt like it was a word for the church. This is not a, it's not a rebuke word at all. It's an invitation. Uh, the, the translation actually says, my word makes no progress in you. And uh, again, so the progress that, that he's talking about is is the progress of of it going from a mental from a place of mental assent or mental agreement into a living place like a living understanding within each one of us and so this is actually an invitation from the lord for us to mature because as his word begins to dwell more and more in our life it, our lives begin to release the power that the word holds so John chapter, uh, Luke chapter eight, um, Luke chapter eight, starting with verse four. I'm going to read this because it's a, it's a lot, but if you want to follow along, that would be great in, in your Bible. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted." When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. And then in verse 11, he says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. 
Now, this is profound. This is a profound statement that I want to try to unpack a little bit. But basically, what he's saying is, is that the seed that's represented here is actually God's word. So the seed is God's word. Now, this is so profound that uh, in the book of Mark, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell this this parable, this account of Jesus uh, uh, telling this parable. But in the book of Mark, uh, Mark adds something, or the gospel of Mark adds something. It says, then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? In other words, he's saying, if you can't understand the meaning of the seed and the soil, particularly how the soil affects the growth of the seed, how will you understand any of them? Remember what this is? The seed is what? God's word or God's promise. So he's saying, if you don't understand the significance of the soil and the seed, how will you understand anything? And so this morning, I'm going to talk about, or this afternoon, we'll talk about uh, the, the, the soil. This, this parable is this, it's called the, the parable of the sower, uh, sower sowing seed, but it's actually a story about the soil. And so apparently there's something that's foundational to our maturity that's found in this parable. So the meaning of the parable, the seed is God's word. So what do we know about seed? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> what we know about seed is that, number one, it has to be planted to grow. If I just left the seed up here and did nothing to it, it's not going to grow. So the seed has to be planted to grow. The other thing about the seed is that all the power needed to accomplish its own work, this seed contains all the power needed to accomplish its own work when it's planted in good soil. So the other thing about this, the devil cannot hinder the seed from doing its work unless we allow him to get the seed out of the ground. And the way that he gets the seed out of the ground is to cause us to focus on our circumstance instead of the promise. So, Jesus unpacks the meaning of the parable. Verse 12. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. And so when you read this, 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 uh, the, the seeds that fell on the footpath are those who hear the message only to have the devil come and steal it or take it away to prevent them from believing and being saved. Automatically, when you read this, you think that God, that Jesus is talking about a group of people who are probably not saved. They're probably unbelievers. And I would think, I, and, and, I, and you're probably right. There's, there's probably truth to that. The only thing that, that causes me to think differently is the last word there, saved. It caused to prevent them from believing and being saved. The word saved there is a Greek word, sozo. And sozo has three meanings. It means to save, heal, 
or deliver. So this verse could be talking about unbelievers who have no idea and they're being prevented from, from believing into, in God and being saved unto salvation. That's true. And this could be referencing believers whom the enemy comes in and steals the seed and prevents them from believing and being healed or delivered. And so the thing that I want to draw our attention to is there's a lot of emphasis on this little seed. Heaven and hell are after this seed. Heaven and hell are after the promises that God has made to you. So what we see from this first category, the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message. The seed that fell on the footpath, nothing was done with it. It just lay there. The point that I'm trying to make, the promises that the Lord has made to you, make sure that you just don't leave them on the footpath. We've got to do something with them. So, there is great value in the seed and there is also great power. Next verse. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. This is the group of people who actually hear the message and receive it with joy. Yay! Amen! Praise God! And the, 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 uh, the, the thing that, that Jesus is highlighting is not the amount of faith that they have, but that it's temporary. And they hold on to this faith for a little while, and then they let go of it. And it says here, when they face temptation, now, uh, in the book of Mark, it talks about um, uh, or troubles, when they face trouble, or they face persecution, they face, uh, they, they face temptation. And the word here, the, they fall away. In the book of Mark, the word fall away is associated with offense. They get offended and they step away from the Lord. Again, if, 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 it, if, the, if, if, if I could get it out, <laughs> the enemy can't take this away from you. The only way that the enemy can, can, can steal this is to, to, to get us, uh, is to actually to get our attention on our circumstance instead of on the promise. So, the temptation, the kind of faith that they have. They have faith, but they believe for a while. In other words, they give up. They give up. It's been too long. How long, let me ask you this, how long, how long are God's promises towards you? One month, two months, one year, three years? How, but I'm at, I'm at, how long, I'm trying to get you to think, how long has it been? Have you given up on the promises? The enemy, the enemy just wants you to let go.
Verse 14, and the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. Now, I've read this before, I've heard this spoken, this taught on before, and the emphasis has always been on the, 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 the riches and the pleasures, and I, and I get all that, and I'm not discounting that. However, the one that stood out to me in this one was the cares. And I was like, whoa, what, what does the cares mean? The cares have to do with worries or anxiety. Worries or anxiety. Anxiety is distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. It's the what ifs. What if, what if, what if I lose my job? What if something happens to my kids? What if something happens to me? What if I get sick? What if I get, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? This thing, this is saying that my cares actually crowd out the message in the seed. I'm like, what? My fears and my anxiety can actually crowd out the growth, the power that is actually in the promise. But this verse doesn't just stop there. The verse says, and so they never grow into maturity. Who's they? He's talking about the seed? Or is he talking about the people? And so the people who are affected by fear and anxiety, it's saying this fear and anxiety, the thorns, the thorns are actually doing what it's supposed to do, which is to choke out the power of the word. The fears and the anxiety can actually choke out and cause the believer not to mature. Another another way of saying it, they never bring any fruit to maturity. So in other words, the seed never accomplishes what it was made to do. The thorns, however, are accomplishing what they are designed to do, which is to crowd out the word. The good news is, is in the next verse, Jesus highlights another group of people. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. They hold on to the word, and they cling to it. They cling to it in such a way, they hold on to it in such a way that they, 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 they weather through, I don't care what my circumstances are dictating to me, I'm holding on to the truth of God's word and how it applies to me in my situation. I'm clinging to this word. When I read this, and the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people, I immediately thought of Grace Center. You and me. Honest, good-hearted people who hold on to... the. People, this is where the Lord is bringing us. The Lord has promised, made all of these promises as to what's coming and so where we're going. 
But in order for us to get there, he's got to shore up our faith level to where we are strong enough to hold on to the power of his word versus the circumstances that are coming against us. I was, uh, I, I've got a, um, <clears throat> several books, audio books that I'm listening to. And one of them is uh, uh, Ever Increasing Faith by Smith Wigglesworth. If you've never read that, get that book. If you want to listen to it, it's on Audible. Anyway, so I'm listening to this book, and uh, uh, Smith Wellsworth was talking about a conference or a church that he visited, and uh, uh, this lady came up for prayer, and she had goiter, like big growth on the side of her neck. And uh, he prayed for her, and all of a sudden her hands fly up in the air. It's like, woo! She said, oh, thank you, Lord. I've, I've been healed. She felt it. And, and so she leaves, and uh, he comes back the next year to visit the church. She comes up for, to, for a time uh, to give her testimony. And when she stands up to give her testimony, she still has the goiter. And so she stands up and says, I just want to say a year ago I was here, and, and Brother Wigglesworth prayed for me, and I was healed. Well, everyone's sitting out there in the audience going, um... What, did it switch sides or like you? And so nobody said anything to her. The next year, the same thing happens. This time, she, she stands up and says, I, I was healed two years ago. I was healed. And someone walked up to her after and said, hey, uh, you still have that? And she's, so she, not being moved in her faith or anything like that or discouraged, she goes home and she's like, Lord, would you show them? Would you let, show them that you healed me? I know that you healed me. Would you show them that you healed me? She goes to bed, wakes up the next morning, it's completely gone. What is that? Someone that is clinging to the word. I'm clinging to the word. I'm not going by what my circumstances say. This is what he has done for me. So one of the things I would highly recommend is read, if you can, read, when you read the scriptures, try to get a hold of different translations. So um, there's just something about it. I don't, uh, so when I open up my computer, I've probably got like five translations that are open. Anyway, I was read, reading uh, a few weeks ago uh, in, the book of, uh, in the book of Luke. Is that right? Yeah. In the book of Luke, in the amplified version. And I saw something I've never seen before. So Luke chapter one, I'll paraphrase it. Gabriel shows up to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, while he's in the middle of his priestly duties, poof, shows up and uh, scares his sandals off and gives him this prophecy about this son, this, this amazing prophecy that more than likely Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth have stopped praying about because they've reached the age past when they can bear children. And so, so Gabriel's going on and on and on about who, who John's going to be. And he's going to go be the forerunner for Jesus in front of Jesus and all this sort of, and then John, I mean, Zechariah responds to Gabriel by saying, when he puts his glasses on, by what shall I know and be sure of this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel replied to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God and I have been sent to talk to you to bring you this good news. And then he says, now behold, you will be and will continue to be silent and not be able to speak till this, till the day when these things take place because you have not believed what I told you. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The sentence by Gabriel was all mercy. 
This, this, he wasn't punishing Zechariah for not believing. He was, he, was, he, was, he was protecting the promise. And he realized, if I release you, if I leave here and you're in Zechariah, you're still in this state of unbelief, you have the power to undo the very thing that I prophesied over you. And so in order for this child to be born, I've got to shut your mouth for nine months until this promise can be fulfilled. And look at what the, the angel says. He says, because you have not believed what I told you, but my words are of a kind which will be fulfilled in the appointed and proper time. My words are of a kind which will be fulfilled. There's a kind of words that are not fulfilled, but these are not God's words because all of God's words are a kind that are fulfilled. They, are all, they will always be fulfilled. God's word will always be fulfilled. In uh, Luke one thirty seven, underline this one in your Bible. It might say something like, with God, nothing's impossible or nothing is impossible or... I like this one because it says, for no word of God shall be void of power. And so the thing that, that we need to keep church in front of us is that no word of God is without power. If we're not seeing something come to fruition, check to see which soil you're in. What type of soil is in your garden? If it's hard places due to offense, release them, forgive them. If it's anxieties or fears, renounce them. But the power of the seed, the power of the word has been planted within us. It has the ability to fulfill its promise. The issue's not with him, it's with us. That's not a blame statement. I'm just saying, hey, this is, my word has no place. My word makes no progress in you. It was never meant to reside up here. It was meant to reside in here. And so if anything, church, the, this is encouraging. This is encouraging. He loves us too much to leave us where we are. So we get rid of our anxieties. We push away our offenses and we release our apathy. We're not the type of people who are not going to do anything with it. We are of a people who cling to his word regardless of what we see. Let me just tell you, he who is faithful will be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.